I have been a skateboarder for a long time. I started skateboarding uh, when I was in eighth grade, going into my freshman year, the summer between. And it's been a huge part of my life. I rode for some companies, got some sponsorships, all the stuff. But uh, I remember back when I was a, a young Grom, uh, Grom being a, a young, a new skateboarder, uh, there was something absolutely terrifying. And any skateboarder can attest to this. They can uh, go back to their early days in skateboarding. And the one of the things that was just absolutely terrifying is uh, what's called dropping in. It's where you get on top of a ramp. You put your board uh, uh, just you know right there, like uh, at the uh, at the tail, and then you just literally drop in. You let gravity take place, and you fall into the ramp, and then ride out uh, the bottom. And it doesn't matter if it's a five foot ramp, six foot ramp, or two foot ramp. When you are on top of this ramp, it feels like you are fifty foot in the air. <laughs> There's something terrifying, and it doesn't matter how many people have told you what to do, how to do it. Um, any skateboarder is kind of just like really in their own head when it comes to this, and no matter how confident you are, uh, once you get to that ramp, uh, your your body, it, it, you have to trust it, and when you don't trust it, your actions really betray what you believe in that moment, right? Doubt really sets in. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we've been talking about in this series uh, called Disillusion. We've been talking about doubt. There is uh, a uh, organization called Barna. They do faith research uh, um, and different things like that. Uh, they polled pastors asking them, what makes uh, you doubt your Christian beliefs? They answered answers like past experiences with religious institutions could be uh, something that causes doubt or hypocrisy of religious people around could cause doubt, human suffering, unanswered questions, unanswered prayers. There is a really long list uh, of things that can stir doubt. And what we learned last week was that doubt is not a bad thing. It's actually what you do with your doubt that is really important. Doubt can be a motivator. It can fuel belief or it can fuel unbelief. Doubt is really a crossroads. Uh, and in doubt, the voice of fear can sometimes be a lot louder than the voice of faith. And we see this in a story in the Bible. Um, just kind of give you a little backstory. We're going to be in Numbers chapter uh, 13. And this is kind of dealing with uh, the, the children of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, uh, they were just set free out of Egypt from 400 years of slavery. And they were promised the specific land by God. They were pr promised the promised land. They had witnessed the power of God through the 10 plagues. They passed safely through the Red Sea, like talking like wall to wall, like water on the side, walked over dry land. They witnessed the destruction of Pharaoh and the, the army that was pursuing them and chasing them to not let them go out of slavery. God had provided manna and quail and when they were in the wilderness, basically sustenance every single day, uh, the perfect amount. They witnessed God's presence and power on Mount Sinai as they, as they were given the Ten Commandments and the law. Long story short, they had seen God move miraculously. Uh, in in all of the different areas to provide for them and to lead them. And so that's where we pick up in the story as they are on the doorstep of the promised land, of this land uh, that they had been promised. And we pick that up in Numbers 
chapter 13, starting in verse one. This is what it says. The Lord now said to Moses, send out man to explore the land of Canaan and uh, the land that I uh, have given to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness to Paran. And we'll skip forward to uh, verse 17. Moses gave the men these instructions as they sent them out to explore the land. He said, go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to, to bring back samples of the crops that you see also. Very clear instructions were given, right? Let, and so let's see what the land is like. And uh, verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is uh, some of the kind of fruit that it produces, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, uh, the descendants of Anak, and the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and among the Jordan Valley. So kind of some scary folk uh, live around uh, these parts. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. He can certainly, uh, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And so you see this picture here, this picture of uh, these spies going into the land, seeing that this is very much an incredible land that God has promised them. A clear promise with clear instructions, clear foresight, uh, but there is clearly uh, some other people in this land that might be a little scary. Uh, and you see two guys. You see uh, um, Caleb and uh, Joshua basically say like, hey, let's do this. Two out of the 12 were like, let's go, God's promise, let's go. But 10 out of the 12 said, no, that's not a good idea. 10 spies were looking at everything but God. They were uh, seeing these exterior circumstances like giants or armies or fortresses, and it was scary. It was, they, were, they were fearful, and it, it caused doubt for them. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're in some diff difficult circumstances right now. Maybe you're facing illness or loss or areas of injustice or broken relationships, and that has rocked your faith or caused you to even question faith in general. Or maybe your doubts began when a professor at college or a family member challenged your beliefs or someone that you know has beliefs and you've just entered into conversations about this and you just maybe have some doubts. So whatever that the case is, it's probably stirred in you some type of uh, 
internal struggles as you've wrestled with these things. And so let's continue to see what happens here in this story in Numbers 13, in uh, verse 32. It says, so they, uh, the spies, they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites, among the people of God. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And so again, these doubts, these fears that the spies had, uh, it was causing some self-doubt. They probably were thinking like, man, for the past 400 years, like me and my people, we have just been like farmers and brick makers, <laughs> not warriors. And you want us to go what against these people? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Or maybe it was stirring some anxiety or some insecurity, especially as they even said that they're like grasshoppers. And then they were projecting what the other people were thinking of them. Like they thought we were small, little crushable grasshoppers too. Uh, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's, you can, you can, uh, uh, resonate with, with those types of thoughts maybe in this season. Maybe you, you've had legitimate questions that have been dismissed or, or gone unanswered. And maybe that's stirred some, some type of, of doubt or, or maybe your doubts began when someone insulted your intellect because you had a faith or you entered into a conversation with someone who had faith and maybe you were the insulter and now it's just really kind of actually, you felt bad about it. So you're kind of welcoming some thoughts here of what is this, this faith thing? Well, saying Christianity is a crutch for the uneducated and unintelligible is, is a different conversation. Uh, but, uh, these people's doubt, it was, it was fueled by fear and a lack of trust. And can you identify what fuels your doubt? Is there some things that have uh, been fearful of yours, or maybe it's been neglect that has stirred some doubt? What, what are some of the things that you can identify that maybe fuels some of your doubts? For the Israelites, for the people of God in this story, there was a lot on the line doing what God said, uh, it actually took a lot of trust that something that felt impossible was possible. You had to trust that God had their best intentions in mind whenever uh, leading him into battling people that were scary. <laughs> uh, they, their fuel, it, it uh, sorry, their, their doubt fueled uh, these 10 spies to actually influence an entire nation. Let's see what happens. Remember, they said they spread bad news uh, of this report uh, among all of the people. Well, picking up in uh, Numbers 14, verse one, it says, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. That's the leaders of the, of the Israelites. They said, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. They were in such a, a spot of, of doubt and fear uh, 
that they wanted their slavery back. Uh, it doesn't even make any, any sense. Uh, they were obviously uh, in a really, really tough spot, um, just even in their own heads. And the sad thing about this story is it actually doesn't immediately end good. <laughs> There's not a, okay, and they turn the table the next day. Um, these people ended up spending another 40 years in the wilderness just simply because they didn't trust God. Not the really most encouraging thing for you today, uh, but here's my goal today. My, my goal is to hopefully meet you in your wilderness, uh, meet you uh, in the place of where you are in your doubt, and, and maybe give you some key things that can help, uh, some key truths that uh, we can point to, that you can go after. Um, because again, doubt can be a motivator to investigate and draw closer to what is true. And uh, that's gonna be my desire today. And so a sign of health, it isn't the absence of doubt, but the ability to work through it. And so I wanna show you some things that help you work through your doubt uh, because it's not a question of if doubt is gonna happen. It's a question of when. Uh, again, doubt is not a bad thing, but it's something that can be used for good. And so uh, we're all disciples, followers uh, of something and or, or someone. And so whatever we are discipled by, it actually shapes what we believe or think. And it can be the very thing that leads us to doubt. So let's look here at three things to lean into uh, when you face doubt, uh, doubt of any kind. So number one, First thing to lean into when you're doubting is clarity. Lean into clarity. Doubt can feel like a blizzard sometimes. Like for these people, they were requesting things that's like, no, you shouldn't request to go back into slavery just simply because you are fearful or are, are having doubts about what God has specifically and very clearly called you to. Uh, it, it, having doubt or wrestling with doubt, it can feel foggy, unclear, or with no direction. And so here's the deal. Don't panic. Don't allow your situation or your circumstances to keep you trapped in a blizzard of doubt. There's a, a book called uh, A Hidden Holdness. It's written by Parker Palmer, and he shares this story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope from their back door of their house to their barn where they would work. Uh, because blizzards, they would come on quickly. And if they were in their barn trying to get back to their house, or if they were trying to get to their house or their barn, there were farmers that would literally, because of their disoriented in a, a snowstorm, not know where they're going and just go in circles. They would literally be lost in their own backyard. <laughs> and some would literally die of frostbite, dry of, of the cold, mere feet away from their back door. <laughs> And so they would tie this rope and then that would uh, help guide them safely to uh, and from where they worked and where their home was. Well, here's the deal. God's word is the rope. The Bible, it, it, it's not uh, one book, it's 66 books. It's written by 40 different authors over 1500 years across three different continents. It's written by imperfect authors, from all different walks of life, but as inspired word straight from the creator of the universe. 
big question that we answered a, a couple weeks ago in our Bible series is, can you trust the Bible? And I'll just uh, I'll refer you to that. Go watch that. It's a, it's a great series, uh, kind of talking through the evidences of why we can trust the Bible. But the answer is yes. We can trust the Bible when it comes down to the trustworthiness of God's word. It is, it's impeccable. <laughs> the things that archaeologists have used, uh, the Bible to go find places, the uh, interior evidence of, of the people in the New Testament that died for their faith, uh, they wouldn't die for a lie, especially them as eyewitnesses that could have disproven it if it was. You can trust the Bible. One of the things you find in God's word are promises of God. These actually give what you need to overcome doubt and, and strengthen uh, your faith in him. Being able to read those promises and uh, and recognize those promises, it's, it's something that the Israelite people in the story didn't do. And so one of the, uh, my favorite quotes is from a, a guy named Charles Spurgeon, a classic theologian. He says, visit many books, uh, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. God's word is the rope that safely guides us through the blizzard of our doubts. And so don't panic and also don't let go. The next thing, the next thing that can be uh, something that that helps you lean into uh, when you're doubting is number two, community and counsel. When I first started skateboarding, I wasn't very good, obviously. Anybody that's ever stepped onto a skateboard, uh, again, no matter the level of confidence, it takes time and practice. Uh, And I would go skating with some of my other friends, and when they would give me tips and tricks, uh, like it, it would just make me worse because they were sometimes as bad or 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 worse than me. (laughs) It wasn't until I started hanging around or asking. Uh, other skaters that were more experienced, that that knew more, that knew kind of some of the the ticks, t- uh, tips and tricks when it comes to uh, certain tricks on a skateboard that I started to to understand. And, and this is the same in any sport. A good basketball coach will will help you become a better basketball player. A good hockey coach will help you become a better hockey player. And and the same is there. The same is true with with our faith. There are a ton of people who want to uh, coach us, <laughs> to coach you on what to believe. And uh, the thing is, you're going to have to decide who you want to be your coach. I'm just going to give you a disclaimer. Everybody on Facebook or TikTok or YouTube, I'm just going to let you know, not everybody is telling the truth. <laughs> not everybody is proclaiming truth on those platforms. Uh and sometimes that's what humanity tries to do is just listen to certain things and then adapt that in without ever really questioning whether it's true or not. Well, here's a good piece of advice. Don't listen to unwise counsel. Your friend at work who's been divorced five times probably isn't the right person to listen to about marriage advice. Be loving to them and be their friend by all means. But when it comes down to marriage advice, maybe that's not the right person or uh, a social media, multi-level marketing salesman might not be the best person to listen to about sales and business practices while keeping friends. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's the, uh, there are probably proper channels for those kinds of things or 
It's like a, an atheist professor probably isn't going to give you good advice about God. The Bible refers to this as the blind leading the blind. And Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 6. Uh, in verse 39, it says, Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? <laughs> kind of a, a fun visual there uh, that nobody wants to, to fall into a ditch. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Community doesn't have to be fun all the time, but no, community and counsel, it's always going to be formative. And so choose your community, choose your counsel appropriately and properly, especially when you're wrestling with doubts. If there are things that you uh, want to know about God when it comes down to within his word. The first thing that we talked about, uh, find someone else that, that's really knowledgeable in God's word to ask those questions to, and to parse those things with. And when you're choosing your community, when you're choosing your counsel, the one thing that can really, really uh, uh, tell the story of whether maybe they are a good counsel or a good community is the, the fruit the fruit of that community, the fruit of that council. What do I mean by fruit? Uh, it means the outcome of their life. <laughs> Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And so if you are wrestling with doubts about God's people being fake. <laughs> Find God's people that have these attributes. And I'm just going to let you know that having these attributes are kind of proof of maybe an authentic faith. Maybe you've just seen Christians or Christ followers that maybe actually are only a Christian in name only and not in practice. Finding those things are going to be uh, of the utmost importance when you are wrestling with doubt. When you know what you believe, you know who it is uh, to grow in your belief with. Uh, it's kind of a good thing to parse out. And last, number three, uh, the third thing to lean into when doubting is lean into consistency. There's another Barna research article um, where they conducted a study uh, where they found out that strong Christian millennials they consume over 3,000 hours of digital content a year. <laughs> That's crazy. And then only 150 uh, of those hours are of Christian, uh, some type of Christian origin or Christian uh, content. That is about a 20 to 1 ratio. So this is important because the Bible says who or what you are around actually influences you. It influences us. And, and I'm not just... Uh, talking about this, the disproportionate uh, ratio of content, like that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the content that you ingest or take on, it, it can do something. The, I, you've probably watched a show on Netflix or a movie that might have been like a little dark or depressing or sad. And then after that movie, you just felt that emotion or felt that feeling. It's just like a dark cloud. It's because what we ingest, it's really kind of like a you are what you eat type uh, type of feel. 
Um, I did youth ministry for the longest time and uh, in talking about youth ministry with youth ministry friends, actually, uh, uh, Pastor Brandon at West Bridgewater, he, some, one of his students did an experiment where they ate, ate carrots every day. Uh, and because of the rumor, if you eat a lot of carrots, you'll turn orange. And guess what happened? Uh, in the middle of winter, uh, he had an orange tint to his skin. You, you are what you eat. What you consume uh, is, is, is important. And so when you find yourself in a, in a season of doubt, maybe something you can do is a time assessment. What are you consuming? What is it that you're filling in with your mind and your heart and your beliefs um, to maybe produce a specific fruit or produce a specific outcome? Dallas Willard, he's a philosopher and a biblical scholar. He says this, he says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret to caring for our souls. Our part in, in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns pointing north. If God is the great longing of our souls, He will become the pole star or the north star of our inward beings. If you're struggling with reading God's word, or if you're struggling with uh, community or uh, struggling with uh, mentorship or counsel, when it comes down to, if you're struggling with those things, you're probably gonna struggle with consistency. And the thing is uh, just being able to surround yourself with those things, being able to set those reminders. It's not just a like a white knuckle situation. It's it's really uh, casting those doubts and those cares on the creator of the universe and then being able to bear fruit. And so some questions. What is your algorithm? What what is 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 being produced out of your doubt? Is it more doubt? Or is it more faith? Are you a Joshua and a Caleb, the two spies that were like, let's go, let's find out more about God. Let's like, let's, uh, God's promised it. So let's do it. Let's see that promise fulfilled. Or, or are you maybe those 10 spies that get distracted uh, with anything but God's promise? Doubt causes us to miss the promises of God because you decided to camp in that valley of doubt. And, and none of the spies uh, they were ever able to see the promised land. Um, that was one of the, the difficulties. And so uh, know this, in Romans 12.2, it really gives us a, a clear picture of what these things will do when it comes to reading God's word, when it comes to uh, spending time in community, faithful community, uh, spending time with uh, good counselors, those that can counsel out of God's word as well. It says this, uh, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's a really good uh, thing that A.W. Tozer said, and maybe something uh, that would be great for you right now to ask. Uh, he says, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so, if you're wrestling with doubt, some really great things to be able to step into, some great opportunities. And, and so I would challenge you, find someone to uh, talk to. Uh, if you're watching now, you can uh, get into the comments or email uh, here. When it comes to any questions that you have, don't stop 
asking or pursuing uh, the answers to your questions. Uh, what you can do also, there's clarity in prayer. Uh, there's clarity in being able to uh, go to and talk to the creator of the universe because you have access to that. Uh, he's a good father. Uh, it reminds me uh, that I, uh, I have a daughter and uh, my daughter hated the car seat for the longest time. Um, but me as a good father, I kept putting her in her car seat. If I would have uh, gave her the request that she was asking for, that wouldn't be a good father. Sometimes when we pray uh, and we're asking for specific prayers, maybe it's just the wrong prayers that our loving heavenly father said, no, that I can't give you that because I got something that's actually good for you. Uh, so seek those things in prayer. Be able to uh, talk to a leader here at church. Uh, again, you can chat online. You can ask someone that you respect here. Uh, just like anything else, Satan wants things to fester in the dark. These doubts to fester and to, to grow in, in areas of ways of, of, uh, of tor uh, torture for you. And so get the, the questions and the doubts out and give God the opportunity to shine a light on those things. There's things like life groups that you can jump into for community. There's uh, areas in, uh, like alpha uh, that you can jump into if you're just questioning things. Uh, there are so many things that you can get plugged into just even right here at Grace Church. And so uh, I would love to pray for you uh, as we end our time. Again, don't let these things just fester. Do some things about your doubt. God, we are so thankful again uh, for who you are. Lord, we, say, uh, we thank you for uh, what you're doing in uh, the hearts and minds of those that, that are watching. And God, we just pray that um, you would continue to work uh, through our doubts. It's not uh, a question of if doubt is, is bad, you use doubt uh, to draw us closer to you. So Lord, I pray uh, if there's anybody watching that would say that they are spiritually disconnected or that they are uh, just really struggling or wrestling with some of the hard questions um, Lord, that you would uh, give them the boldness to, to reach out. Give them the uh, the resources just right here within Grace Church to jump into areas to see what you say in your word, uh, to see uh, how uh, community and council would be able to uh, be an incredible resource within doubt and also uh, to form consistency that, f uh, that uh, their lives would bear fruit. And so thank you again in advance for what you are gonna continue to do uh, through how you work through doubt. And so we give it to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.